financial markets have not had the best starts of the year and uncertainty is causing investors to be cautious, inflaming the situation. This is impacting the buoyant ETF market, the big financial investing trend over the past few years. With me to discuss is Deborah Fur, co-founder of ETFGI. Deborah Global Financial ETFs, they have been suffering outflows of $3.17 billion in this last quarter. Why is this? Many investors are very concerned about banks after the last financial crisis and they feel that they're not really aware of what types of risk might be on their balance sheet, banks in terms of capital ratios, and some of the earnings and other things that have come out recently from banks have really raised some concerns. There were calls last year to curtail the ETF industry. Do you think this has had much of an impact? In general, the ETF industry does provide a very useful service in that there's a lot of plain vanilla products that are well understood and useful because they are a very democratic product allowing both institutions, financial advisors, and investors to get access at the same price and annual cost in very small increments, which can be useful if you want to invest in various developed emerging frontier markets, as well as fixed income and commodities. I think regulators have been a little bit concerned about do investors understand leverage and inverse products? Do they understand some of the newer smart beta products? Like what does that mean? How do I use it? When do I use it? So it's really more the newer products that have come to market that tend to be raising the concern of regulators. Regulators have also pinpointed scary growth and that perhaps the fragility in times of crisis, do you think this is justified? I think investors have to be careful about why they're trading, especially retail and financial advisors. ETFs really have done, they've been around now for almost 26 years. The first product was launched March 9th, 1990 up in Canada. In Europe, they've been around for 16 years in April and in the US since 93. So I think they have by and large done what they said they're going to do. Quite often when there's been issues, it's more because market infrastructure's issues have arisen because of exchange operating in different fashions or because investors actually haven't read the prospectus. And looking at external factors, of course, last year we had the US rate rise and the ECB is suggesting possibly that could happen, although the Bank of England, it doesn't look likely this is gonna happen anytime soon, but what's that adding to the mix? ETFs are a very good barometer of investor sentiment. So if we went back a year ago, January, it was very interesting because what we saw was investors in the US, as you said, were very concerned about what is the Fed gonna do when is it going to do it and what impact would it have on their investments? So a year ago, January, if you looked at ETFs list in the US, we had net outflows from equities and the third highest ever net inflows into fixed income and commodities. While European products had net inflows into equities because the ECB had announced it was going to begin quantitative easing. So European products saw the flows going into equities. So what are ETFs saying to us about oil prices then? People are concerned about oil. They're concerned about what's happening in China. And so we are seeing a little bit of flight to safety. So we haven't seen over the past few years much money going into gold except for a year ago, January. We did again this January see money going into gold again. So I think investors are a bit concerned um, about terrorism. They're a bit concerned about China, how the economy is really going to perform longer term in the U.S. And also, you know, the U.K. coming out of Europe. Investors can get a bit nervous, and when that happens, they tend to move to government bonds, and they also tend to move to commodities. It's also said that ETFs are changing behavior in the markets. What do you make of this? What many investors have learned over time is 
it's hard to generate alpha. So doing better than benchmarks is actually very challenging. Every year, Standard & Poor's does a study called SPIVA, and they look at the performance of active funds versus benchmarks in various countries around the world. So if we looked at the US market in 2014, their most recent study, 86% of large cap managers did not beat the S&P 500. In Europe, 83% did not beat the S&P 350. So if you go around the world, what you find is professional investors find it hard to beat benchmarks. And so financial advisors and others are finding it hard to pick the professional investors that are gonna deliver that alpha. The investors are learning that index products can be used to generate alpha through tactical asset allocation or overall asset allocation. So deciding where to invest and how much rather than picking individual securities is something we're seeing happen. We're also seeing that ETFs have raised awareness of the impact of fees on performance. So if you pay higher fees for something, it takes away from the performance. So paying only five basis points means you're more likely to do very close to the benchmark. And also in Europe, we're seeing regulators very concerned about closet indexing. So how many of the active fund managers are actually out there generating alpha by really taking some concentrated bets on securities that they believe in, rather than basically hugging the benchmark. And so we've seen regulators up in Scandinavia say, this shouldn't be happening and they're really calling them to task. We've seen this now recently also in Germany that the regulator's concerned about this. So why should I pay for active when what someone's really doing is tracking a benchmark?